0: Hello, and thanks for tuning in to the Grace Church of Ocala Sermon Podcast. We are equipping disciples who make disciples in Ocala, Florida. What follows is an audio recording from our Sunday morning worship gathering, and we hope that you will find it encouraging, challenging, and helpful. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala, please visit our home on the web, Ocalagrace.org. Well, good morning, church be in John chapter 9 this morning. If you want to turn there, if does anybody need a Bible this morning, we have some brand new ones we ordered in. We'd like to give them all all away. We were so excited to have to order more Bibles. So if you need one this morning, we'll be in John chapter 9. And uh, as we continue our series, Through the Valley of Shadow, we see more and more light coming into John. And as we get started in John chapter 9, take a look at this picture. Does that, Frank, when I looked this up, does that really mess with your eyes? It does, doesn't it? It's a cool optical illusion. Because you look to the left, then you look to the right, and it's all, Phew, changes. And so you're wondering if your mind's really working right. Do you see, you know, do you hold one hand over the other, you know? And then you look at this. Now, I love these things. Has anybody ever seen one of these in person? You've seen them in person? This has got to be the coolest thing. I wouldn't want to see it. But, you know, like, you imagine walking along, and then you, you people can paint and make it look 3D. So you got this optical illusion of the water on the left coming over, and then it's going. That is just really pretty neat. So then you got this. Frank is. Do you think that mail truck's level? A good answer, Frank. So the huh? Okay. So the, 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 mail, the truck looks level. So that mean they built all the houses sideways? <laughs> I, and I, all I did was take the two pictures and I trimmed the, the house away. So I, I'm not going to lie, when I made this PowerPoint, I kept, I kept flipping back and forth. So what we perceive with our eyes is that truck looks really, that truck's level. But actually in this one, it's really going uphill and the houses have got to be level. So we have these optical illusions. Do we really see what we see? Can we actually perceive well? Can we trust our eyes? And today we're going to talk about no see Steve. Does Steve see? What's the process of Steve seeing? So as we start with John chapter 9, let's start in verse 1. And as he passed by, he saw a blind man from birth, and his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. We must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with the saliva. Then he anointed the man's eyes with the mud and said to him, Go wash in the pool of shalom, which means sin. So he went and washed and came back seeing. So here we have no see Steve, never seen Steve. And the disciples walked past a blind man and asked Jesus, Hey, Rabbi, who sinned? Hey, teacher, who sinned? Is it this guy or his parents? Now, before we get started, we know we talked a little bit about this in Bible Fellowship this morning. The rabbis taught that if you have a, you're suffering from suffering something or you have something going on in your life that's bad, all the bad things are a direct result of a sin. So if you have bronchitis, you have some kind of sin that goes along with that. If you cannot see, therefore, you must have sinned somewhere. And so since this guy was born blind, the disciples asked the logical question. Was it this guy who sinned or his parents? And Jesus answers, but he redirects their attention from the cause to the cure. And he says, guys, you haven't seen anything yet. No see Steve is going to become a living illustration of God working out in real time. Just watch. Just look. Just see what happens. So never see Steve goes and washes and comes back able to see. So then the neighbors get into the gig. Look at verse 8. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, Is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, but he is like him. And he kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes and said to me, go wash and pouch the and wash. So I went and washed and received my sight. They said to him, where is he? And he said, I do not know. So never see Steve becomes seeing Steve. They see Steve. Seeing Steve is now seen. So the neighbors who had seen this guy can't believe that this is the same fellow. You can hear the the interaction. Is this the guy who used to sit and beg all day? Nah, it can't be. It's his doppelganger. It's his twin. It just looks a lot like him. And you can see Steve going, "I'm him. I am the man. I am the man." And they said, how did that happen? Well, this guy made this special anointed mud with blood saliva in the mud, and he told me to go to wash it off. And I did. Now I can see. That's all I know. Steve interacts with God. He has an interaction with Jesus, and something obvious and miraculous happens. At this point in the story, we know that. No, Steve he interacts with Jesus, and something miraculous happens, and yet onlookers are very... Skeptical. They're highly skeptical. Every time we have an encounter with Jesus, we have remarkable, changeable, massive results. Do your neighbors see this in you? Or is it the same every week? Or is it the same it's always been? So no never see Steve becomes the Steve that's seen. The guy jumping up and down saying, it was me, it was me. And it's like, how could they even argue this? But Jesus is starting to work out a living parable in front of our eyes to see. Here's a guy that's met Jesus. He's jumping up and down saying, hey, I don't know exactly who this guy is. He just did this thing to me and now I can see. And they're like, no, it can't be. You're a twin. So Steve has his first eyewitness testimony. Move to verse 13. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had formerly been blind. Now it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees again asked how he could have received his sight, and he said to them, He put mud on my eyes, and I, and I washed, and I see. Some of the Pharisees said, This man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, How could a man who is, who is a sinner do such things? And there was division among them. So they said again to the blind man, What do you say about him, since he has opened your eyes? He said, he is a prophet. So Steve, seeing Steve's first testimony. So the neighborhood brings Steve to the Pharisees, where we find out that Jesus did the unthinkable again. How dare you heal somebody on the Sabbath? You broke our rules. So the Pharisees ask him how he received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, and I wash, and now I see. This is the second time he's given this testimonies. And the Pharisees respond, it's not about seeing. It's about that you did the unthinkable. You were healed on the Sabbath. Now get this, the Pharisees had 39 classes of prohibited work that you couldn't do on Sunday or Saturday on the Sabbath. And we of like 39 classes of work you couldn't do. We would never do that. We've talked about this here before. We have our own little rules for Sunday. You know, we talked about, you know, growing up with special Sunday only clothes. You know, the hymns you only sing on Sunday. Or the things you only do on Sunday because that's Sunday. Or the things you don't do on Sunday. Oh, if we could list all of the rules we grew up with, or even it's in our house now that we don't even perceive we would have a huge list, too. Is God allowed to work in our lives, to work in people's lives around us, that he can show up and do work and we can acknowledge it? No, that doesn't happen here. That doesn't fit our framework for our doctrine. Or that doesn't happen here. That God couldn't have done that because we don't do those kind of things. But the neighbors asked the obvious question to the Pharisees. <clears throat> How could a sinner, how could somebody who isn't following the rules do such a thing as this? And division starts developing in the ranks. So the Pharisees ask Steve, what do you say? What do you say about Jesus? Since he opened your eyes. Steve says, well, he's a prophet. Jesus has worked in this man's life and the man isn't exactly sure who he is so he can have opportunity to represent Jesus in the world in which he's given. <clears throat> this is the second time he's brought in for people asking, how did this happen? How did this happen? And are you willing to interact with your world be- give Jesus the glory? <clears throat> are you willing to purposely direct the wondrous work that Jesus has done in your lives back to him or do you just want to appease the question or just redirect it? If God has done something amazing in your life, are you like, oh yeah, the doctor's done a good job? Yeah, the doctors could have been, but that's an easy way out. If you've been praying for an illness and you've been praying through a situation and it works out, oh, we were lucky. Or are you willing? When somebody says, What happened in your life, are you willing to say that? Was it because of God working in my life? Because look, the Pharisees get to put him on the spot. What do you then say about this Jesus? Well, see, and Steve doesn't know a whole lot. Remember, he's never even seen Jesus. He just had an encounter with him that afterward he could see. He said, well, maybe he's a prophet. So they bring in seeing Steve's parents. Move to verse 18. And the Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called the parents of the man who had received his sight. And they asked him, is this your son who you say was born blind? How then does he now see? His parents answered, we know this is our son that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know, nor do we know who opened his eyes. Ask him. He's of age. He will speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews, for the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue. Therefore, his parents said, He is of age. Ask him. So again, seeing Steve's parents' testimony, the religious leaders refused to believe that Steve was once blind. I know how we'll solve this. We'll call in another eyewitness. As if Steve himself and all the neighbors isn't enough, hey, call his mom and dad in. Is this your son who you say was blind? Then How does he now see? Look what they're asking. Is this your kid? Now how does he now see? Because it obviously couldn't have been by Jesus. And the appearance appeased with redirecting answers. Do you notice that? It's kind of a half answer that's not necessarily a lie, but it's not the whole truth. The false way short of giving Jesus the glory. That's definitely our kid. We don't know how he knows, how, does, how he can see now, nor do you know how he got his eyes opened. Ask him, he's of age. All they've done is let themselves off the hook and not get excommunicated. Land the Provident Home. Would you, as a parent, be more excited about your kid having sight over Jesus doing the work? Your kid was born blind 30 some years later now he can see for some reason are you more excited that he can see or that Jesus he's met Jesus and Jesus has done something in his life look at it the opposite way my kid was born blind so that he could meet Jesus and Jesus could tell his story and give him sight many years later and that was cool okay because God was in control that's a hard one to ask or is it okay if you have cancer and it's going to be there for a long time or your health is not good so that maybe God can work in your life so you can direct it back to Him? Because we're really not that much different than the parents, are we? We don't want to risk everything. We just like the fact the kid can see. Good we don't have to buy Braille books. So seeing Steve gets called back in for a second testimony. Pick it up in Verse 24. For the second time, they called the man who had been blind and said to him, Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. He answered, Whether he is a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. They said to him, What did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered them, I've told you already, and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you also want to become his disciples? And they reviled him, saying, You are his disciple, but we are a disciple of Moses. We know that God has spoken to Moses, but as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, Why, this is amazing. You don't know where he comes from, yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God and does his will, God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could not; he could do nothing. They answered him, You were born in utter sin and would teach us, and they cast him out. So seeing Steve's second testimony, he's like, Now I can see. I like the way it begins. Look at verse 24. Give glory to God. <clears throat> Basically what they're saying is, Swear on the Bible, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, and tell us that this guy right here is a sinner. It's like, for real. We called you in here the second time. You better tell us that this guy's a sinner. This Jesus guy is not God. And what's Steve's response? I don't know whether he's a sinner or not. All I know is now I was blind. Now I can see. Logical response. I don't know what you guys think of him. I know that in my world I can't see. They cross-examine him once again. Then what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? And you can hear the frustration. I've already told you already. Do you want to hear it again? And look at seeing Steve, what he assumes. Oh, maybe you also want to become his disciples. The word revile there is more like slander, yell insults, and pretty much sticks and stones by bare bones. But these are like boulders they're throwing at him. When he says, oh, you want to be one of his disciples, too, in verse 27, they respond, no, we are, you are his disciples, but we're disciples of Moses. Moses has a proven history. He's our father, and we're not following some local upstart. We have tradition to go with here. Here are the ruling religious leaders of the time in a court situation asking for witnesses and look what seeing Steve does he says this is absolutely amazing let me give you the easy evidence to you a bunch of morons you don't know where he's from yet he opened my eyes we know that God doesn't listen to sinners but if anybody worships to God does his will God listens to him what he's saying hey look I don't know what you think, guys think but I can see now I know that God doesn't listen to people who run from him, but if people run to him, worship him, and do his will, God will listen to him. What happened to me has never happened before. I am a miracle. If this guy wasn't from God, he couldn't do anything. He's giving them like, okay, you guys might have this all together and you got your PhDs in Old Testament theology and all this, but let me just lay it out real easy for you. You guys, this is amazing. And then how do they respond? Ad hominem. Straight to his character. Oh, since you were born blind, now they, look what they've done. They've assumed that, yeah, this is the guy that was blind. They admit the, the evidence of the case and then immediately crush his character. Get out of here. Because you were born blind, you were born in utter sin. Because remember they believed if you had blindness, you was either your sin or your parents' sin. You can't teach us anything. Pick up with me in verse 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out and hadn't found him. He said, do you believe in the son of man? He answered, and who is he, sir, that I might believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him. It is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Jesus said, For judgment I have come into this world, that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things and said to him, Are we also blind? And Jesus said to them, If you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say, We see, your guilt remains. Seeing Steve sees Jesus. Jesus hears of Steve's excommunication, because this is what his parents remember we're afraid of for standing up to be cast out of the synagogue was basically giving up your 401k, all your social c- connections, all of your income, all your benefits. So if you're going to admit that Jesus is Jesus guy, it's going to cost your job, it's going to cost your social standing, it's going to c- cost you everything that gives you your standard of living. That would be tough, wouldn't it? How many of us be willing to? Have, I'll have me some Jesus because that's going to help me out this week because I got a knee brace on. Or would it? Be, if you were to see to come to Jesus would cost you your job, reputation, and all that. Would you be willing to do it? His parents were not. So seeing Steve says this is Jesus, but at this point he doesn't know a whole lot about him. He gets he defends Jesus in front of the Pharisees and once they do kick him out, guess who comes and finds it. Jesus is coming to search out the sheep. Does the sheep know the shepherd yet? No, he doesn't. And look how tenderly he comes to him. Do you believe in the Son of Man, he says. Do you believe? Who, sir, who is he, sir, that I might believe? How many people do we get to share Jesus with have absolutely no idea who He is? And once you give Him a little bit of information about Him, or God has worked in your life and done miraculous things, that you can direct that to God. And they say, who is that? Why do you believe? Or you have an interaction with them and say, hey, I know the God of the universe who has done amazing things in my life. I want to share Him with you. And they reasonably say, who is that? Jesus responds, "You have seen him. It is he who is speaking to you." When was Steve's first time to see Jesus? When this dialogue, this Jesus, he's Jesus puts the super ointment on his eyes and tells him to go wash. Then Steve does and can see. He goes through the whole court process with the rabbis and all that. What's the result of the court process? Booted. Jesus finds him, walks up to him. What does Steve think when he sees? Who is he going to think this guy is? I've heard his voice. I know that I can see. And I know it's cost me a whole bunch of trouble. And why are people so upset that I can see now? And Jesus says, Do you believe? Who is he, sir? And I might. But look at the tense that Jesus used. Have, you have seen him. You can see and not see. We've read it three times in Isaiah. You could see and not perceive. How many of you heard the, the, the slogan, I see said the blind man? It's chapter 9. He received his spiritual sight at this point. And Jesus says, I am he. And how does he then respond in verse 38? Lord, I believe. I respond. And how does he respond? Wow, I'm so good. I'm so glad I don't have to use Braille anymore. I'm so thankful that you changed the hardship of my life into now that I can see. How does he respond? Lord is a whole lot different than prophet, a whole lot different than sir, what he used before. Lord, king of kings, boss, sovereign God, I believe. And then what? Worships. This is the only person that worships Jesus before he goes to the cross. That this term is specifically used. A blind guy who can now spiritually see. And, of course, it's going to happen in an arena. It's going to happen with the audience. And the Pharisees overhear it. And he's like, what do you mean? What about us? And Jesus says some hard things right here. Right after the guy comes, seeing Steve meets, sees Jesus and meets him, accepts him, confesses him as his Lord, and worships him, Jesus says some stuff that we wouldn't put in here right now. For judgment, I've come into this world. We don't like that part. Just heal the guy. Make it good. The guy believes in you, end of the story. No. Jesus says, hey, I'm going to elucidate, give eyes, give you so you can see me for who I actually am and then believe in me. Well, also on the parallel of that, the flip side of the coin is, now if you reject me, you're guilty. All these Pharisees had seen all this going on. I come to give spiritual sight to those who they can spiritually see. And if you refuse that, now you're guilty and I will judge you for it. (sighs) Steve couldn't deny what Jesus had done in his life. He gets to know more and more about Jesus. Defend the undeniable work in his life before the authorities with severe ramifications. He then gets to see Jesus face to face. Let's walk through what Steve went through. When Steve sees Jesus, his process, he has an encounter with Jesus, he gets his eyesight. He calls Jesus a prophet in 917. You're not sure what to label somebody as a good religious person at the time. Say, well, there must be a prophet. He's done some really cool stuff. He defends Jesus in a court where it cost him something. He invites people to become Jesus' disciples in the middle of that courtroom setting. Then he believes Jesus, confesses his own Lord, and worships him. Look at this progress. Isn't that amazing for how the man received his spiritual sight? We like to start down here. Confess Jesus as Lord, right? Then I'll go back and find you a good encounter with Jesus. Then work out the way you think you think about him. And then hopefully you'll get up down here and eventually invite others to become his disciple. The story is backwards, isn't it? Oh, well, we, got the, we got the Bible in front of us. We accept this Jesus guy. We like this. And we know we should tell others about him when it really is good and, and becomes appropriate. But look at the guy, how he met Jesus and the process he went through in the text. That is baffling. I've studied this all week long. We have an encounter with Jesus now, Sunday. How do you define him this morning? That's that cool guy in the picture. He's got a lamb on his shoulder and is going to bring good things for me eventually. We'll never judge anybody because he's the heavenly father that just bestows goodness and keeps the world clock going. Or is he the crucified Savior, than the risen Lord? Therefore, will you invite other people to become his disciples? Look, Steve is reaching out to others before he's even fully come to know who Jesus is. So I'm thinking, how do we do this with our lives this week? If we have our spiritual eyes opened, we can see, said the blind man. I can see now. How can you take this story for where you're at and where you're going this week? Where are you in this process? Encounter? What do you call him? Are you willing to defend him publicly? Invite others to him. See, our faith journey requires seeing Jesus as Lord and Savior. And I like to make the seeing not just your eyes. There's a spiritual awakening that happens when you recognize who he is in your life and what that matters to you. Is it all about you or is it all about him? Is it all about making sure that his name and his reputation is declared and making other disciples for him? So, what is your faith journey? So, we've talked about Steve's this morning. What's yours? What is your God story? What does your relationship with Jesus look like today, and how did you get there, from when it started to where it is today? Or is it an ancient history that it was put in the front of a Bible back way back because that's what you did in your tradition way back? I've been through this rite of passage. I'm asking you: Where does your spiritual journey from wherever you encountered Jesus up until the time when you confessed Him as Lord and Savior? Is your journey solo or part of a family? You want to do it by yourself or with a family? Also, for each other, in this journey, cheerlead each other. You know, I'm thinking, where was the... You know, the mom and dad could have shown up and really supported Steve at that time. Doesn't the story make anyone just smack the parents? Wow, mom and dad, you took the short way out of that. Yeah, you got your membership back at the synagogue club of what's happening now. Left me kicked out. How many of us do that for one another? Phone call, prayer doing something with each other, to cheerlead each other in their spiritual journey. Does your journey include risks in your community? What did it cost Steve in the outcome of the courtroom for defending Jesus? He was defending Jesus before he even got to know him. Does our journey and our community include risks? Because his parents took the easy way out and remember, where did Jesus find Steve? After the risk was taken. We want ourselves some Jesus before we take the risk so we feel bold enough to go through it. Do we take the risk and be willing to, whatever the outcome of that, to allow Jesus to come in and say, here's how, where I am with you now. And finally, pray that God would give you the opportunity to share your journey story. Why was Steve healed? What's that? how did he do that that's pretty man we none of us want to volunteer to be that living illustration will we but how did he bring glory to God what did he do he shared his story I don't know why y'all can't get this I can see now Wow, what's happening in your life? You're a complete... Why in the world you guys move your family? all Why are you guys up at the ranch? You know, that's the good... Who would want to work there? Well, let me tell you my God story. Let me tell you about the journey. Do you see where I'm going with this? Pray that God will give you the opportunity to share your journey story. Because if there's risks involved, you got some pretty good stories in there. If there's no risk, then get on your journey. But pray that God would give you the opportunity to share. Because when they pray, hey, God, I really want to be able to share your good news with other people. I think he, I know for a fact he gets excited about that. Because we're going to read here in a second the last command he gave his disciples. Oh, good, 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 good. I'll give you the opportunity. Here's a slow ball down the mill this week. Pray that God would give you the opportunity to share that this week. Thanks again for listening. If you have any questions or would like more information about Grace Church of Ocala or the sermon you just heard, please visit our home on the web, Ocalagrace.org.